<laughs> well, like I am a pro. People have been thinking I'm just sitting here yeah. waiting. Yeah. What you need is an automatic um, clicker. To click there's it. an app for it. The problem is it's on the phone. Yes. <laughs> I wish I could have reached from here actually. Yeah, you could have actually, but, but yeah. why? Well, how's it going? Um, I know I just did a Facebook Live this morning, so you're going to get sick of my face. But uh, my friend Barry um, just called around and um, we were sitting chatting. I thought, hey, we should have a conversation. Because we were already having one. We were already having a conversation. It was getting a bit boring. We didn't have anything to say. I thought maybe if we turn on the phone, it'll yeah, be a little bit less embarrassing, you know, that kind of thing. So here we are. Barry, you want to say yeah. hello? Hello, everybody. Um, nice to meet you all. Although yeah. I've met nobody. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know. This is my first Facebook Live experience. Is that right? Yeah. Right. So, well, you know, know, I'm passing I'm on. A little nervous. I'm passing it forward yeah. because Rob Bell did his. I that was my first experience of Facebook Live when he did it with me. Now I'm passing it on. Is that what I mean about the great chain of being? Yes, that is that's, exactly that's it. How it goes. And by the way, there's lots of comments coming up. I don't usually get that many comments. Uh, my see. goodness. Yep, Ryan says Barry Taylor is the worst. That is very true. <laughs> Joseph says, "Will Britain remain or leave?" They better remain if they got their heads screwed on. Also, it looks like it's a complete like um, landslide that people want to stay. I think so. That, that's what know. that's what we're yeah, reading early, on the internet. But you never know. Yeah. I mean, so our early thoughts are. I mean, you just told me that it's the highest voting. Yeah, for a lot for a, like decades years. or something. And more um, people enrolled registered to vote for this than any election in the last 40 years, I think. Yeah, this is a, a, a vote as to whether Britain will stay part of the European Union or not. And it looks like hopefully they will. Yeah, um, awesome. Oh, hello, everybody. Well, yeah. That was a long comment there. What did that say? Oh, which one? That one right there. What's that say? Hey, guys, can you make a transcript of this talk for folks who are deaf, hard of hearing, would love to access? You're asking for a lot. That would mean me or Barry listening to this well, um, with my two get, fingers. Well, let's just get that right. It's your Facebook Live episode. <laughs> <laughs> your transcript. Yeah. That would be me with two fingers yeah. going through this. So um, I would like to say that I could get one of my employees yeah. to, to do this work, but I've never been able to have an employee. So um, until that happens, sadly, um, that might be difficult. Sorry. Um, how do you feel now? Yeah, and you know what? You are the one who makes me feel... Look, I look stupid now. You said read the long one. I read it, and it makes me look like an ass. You know, I won't... but it's the secret messaging. You know, you yeah. need to be in touch with what's going on there. And by the way, you, nobody's missed anything as of yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this would not be something to record. That was the longest conversation we had right there. Yeah. All right. Oh, first results come in, Joseph says. 50-50 Newcastle. That's pretty scary. Oh, oh dear. Uh, Okay. Um, anyway, that's of only of interest to those of you in Europe. In yeah. America, you probably have no idea what's going on, except that Donald Trump wants us to leave the European Union. So let that be. Yeah. Let that set the tone. Let that tell you what we should be voting for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Barry and I are good friends. We've known each other for ten uh, odd years. Ten, more, yeah, more than that. More than that. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. Um, and um, I am regularly involved with Barry's community here in, in Los Angeles. We do some stuff together, um, including the Secret Philosophical Society, but we don't, cannot say much about it. Yeah, don't tell anybody. Yes, it is kind of a secret, but he does have an organization out here um, that uh, I'm part of. And um, the second meeting is in 
July, July the 8th. July yeah, you 8th. Should, if you're in LA, you should come. If you're in, in yeah, it's overcoming optimism. If you feel you're too happy, too content in your life, then we have the cure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, that's the funny side of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah, so what we're really doing is um, we decided, because we both are interested in philosophical ideas, that it would be really interesting to build an event around a singular philosophical thought. And the pursuit of happiness is one of the oldest philosophical ideas um, but here we are in the 21st century with happiness as an industry mm. so we're going to explore the way in which happiness is commodified and commercialized and why that kind of happiness can actually be bad for your health yes right? yeah if you buy my books you can find out how to be happy yeah Don't and if That's you buy my books yeah. Yes. <laughs> then you really have no yes. life. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I do love that idea, but the commodification of happiness that you know you buy certain books that help you tell you twelve steps to yeah. be happy. You do courses that that in some respects this part of our lives is now something that is. Yeah. And of course, I mean, happiness is a is. A, I mean, who doesn't want to be happy? Mm. No. You know, that's, that we're not sort of saying that, that we shouldn't be happy, but but the way in which happiness is marketed to us and. You're almost sort of forced into this kind of positivity um, about life that kind of negates other aspects of, of, it, of existence. I'm not sure that that would go down very well yeah. over the course of history. And, you know, there's that fine line, you know, in, in the American Constitution, it's life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, but not the entitlement of happiness or the necessity. So we're going to explore. So we explore those things, and we have friends coming. We have our friend Elliot that's going to come and do some stand up. Elliot Morgan, fantastic human being, fantastic comedian, mediocre uh, blackjack player. I was in Los Angeles, or Las Vegas, with him last week, and um, so uh, he's he's going to be there. Fantastic guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and one thing on that as well is just what Barry's saying. This is actually not about. Like my work, for example, and Barry's work isn't about saying that we need to be depressed. It's, it's actually exploring that idea that if you try to find your life, you lose it. If you lose your life for others, you find it. This, this notion that actually there's more potential happiness and fulfillment and value in life, the more we can escape from this frenetic pursuit sure. of the desire for happiness. Now, it's all complicated. That's, that's the theme. And um, I don't want to say we have the answer. But Barry yeah. is actually a much happier person than you would assume from his doer face. Yeah, and the way I dress. And the way you dress. Because, you know, I like to wear black. Yeah, he's a very <laughs> colourful dresser, unlike myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, actually, yeah. you're wearing, like, a greenish blue today. Like, yeah, what's happened? Jazzing it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's the philosophical society um, stuff. But another thing that connects Barry and I is um, this whole idea of religionless Christianity. Um, uh, we've explored it in a variety of ways. Yeah, I mean, together and separately, we've. We, I mean, it's interesting that I mean, we met in in an environment where that conversation probably wasn't fully on the table. Yeah. But it was. It it, it was in the ether, maybe. You know, we were in Nashville, I think, right? That's right. An emerging in church 
Comp. Is that what it was? Yeah. I don't know because we weren't at it. Yes. But I <laughs> we met went, him because we he was too far. Yes, he yeah. was in the I we were at this conference because Icon was doing an event there. Yeah. We were sitting right, in a yeah. bar, yeah. Like a, you know, And I don't even drink and I was in the bar. You're in the bar. That's how much right. I didn't want to be at this event. Right. And all of us Irish guys, we all went to the bar because we didn't want to be at a Christian conference. Yeah. And I get sitting beside this guy, we get talking. And we realize that we're both in the same world and not of it. That we're both kind of have this interesting relationship with that world. Yeah, and I think, I, I think we talked about Zizek, which yeah. I'd never talked to anybody else about. You know, yeah. never had a conversation, at least at the, uh, that point. But yeah, we, we were talking about um, where we come from in, in, in terms of not only, you know, you know geographically but but really where we come from in terms of uh, of a religious evolution devolution deconstruction and we, we were both sort of working out and working through some other ways of thinking about the whole business of uh religion i think even then we talked about bonhoeffer if i'm not mistaken it could be uh, and, uh, i mean I, we covered a lot of territory in a, in, a, in a fairly short period of time and and since then you know, we've, I mean, now we live in the same town, so. Yeah. And one of the things we did recently. Well, like an old married couple there. Absolutely. Terrible. <laughs> um, something, we had a conversation last week um, that that's, was recorded and hopefully we'll put online, but where we have a conversation about how we entered it to Christianity and we felt that there was this punk element to it. There was this very anarchic element to this Christianity. But we both got sucked into the more you know traditional side of it and spent a number of years unpicking that to return to this kind of like this scandalous, um, uh, disturbing, anarchic element at the heart. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things that we, we talked about um, uh, with that regard is, is the way in which when you enter into something, you adopt a whole way of thinking and talking about it because you know everything comes with its own language and symbol system and stuff like that and um, you almost take it on unreflectively it, you know you just it you put it over whatever the experience is in your life that's brought you somewhere you know we took I, I think we, we talked about this or I talked about it a couple of weeks before you know James Joyce says that line in, in Ulysses about God and he says God is the the cry in the streets, you know, and it's that undefinable sound that some people seem to respond to in different ways. And that sound within the horizon of religion gets codified very quickly and systematized and categorized. And you, you sort of come into that and you go, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, you take it on because you're the, the, new, the new person in town. Uh, the undoing of that is a long, a long process and um, I think the common ground that we found was that that we were reading people whose questions as much as answers were the things that were helping us unlock these difficult stages to get out of the thing that we never wanted to be in in the first place yes. you know I mean you know I think I said to you I've said many many times I never actually was interested in a lot of those things they just sort of came with the territory and before you know it you you're in there and then you have to work out how you unravel and disengage yourself from all of that while maintaining some at least for me anyway I, I'm still interested in 
whatever that cry in the streets is. And I'm less clear today on, mm. well actually I'm more clear on what I think it's not than, 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 than what it is. Yeah. But yeah, we, so we talked a lot about um, finding our way through that and we talked about, you know, Camus and, you know, the idea of, you know, the absurdity yeah. of stuff. And, um, uh, and I think that was a really great point you made. That, that really, I, I found that really helpful last when we were talking, when you, when you sort of brought up, brought up um, that notion of, of the absurdity of, of Christianity. It's a great term, recovering, recovering that absurdity or, or even discovering, you know. And I guess it's just the, it's, it's more than the demystifying of religion. It's kind of the, it, it's the, it's the desanitizing. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. to connect this, first of all, what connects Barry and I together, in some respects, is not the unpicking of religion, but rather the idea that Christianity is the unpicking of religion, that there is yeah. a religion that unpicks itself. There is a religion that deconstructs itself. And, and you know, so weirdly, you're in a system that is critical of itself. And both of us have yeah. been drawn to that. And one example, if you go back to one of my other Facebook pages on the absurd, Facebook live events, sorry, you'll, you'll um, you know, see more about what I'm saying there. But the absurd basically for Camus is when a meaning desiring being confronts a universe that withholds its meaning, you experience the absurd. And I think the key element of this has always been for me the atonement. Um, I actually quite like conservative readings of the atonement more than the liberal versions because at least the, con the conservative ones are ridiculous right so they're obviously ridiculous um, and so it's quite funny whereas the liberal ones are sometimes a bit more serious right what interests me about the crucifixion is it's kind of like an experience of the absurd it is an event that ruptures meaning it is an event that ruptures all of our understandings of what is just what is wise and what is good. And the very fact that there's so many theories on the atonement yeah. that don't fit, I think testifies to the idea that just like the Shoah Holocaust, that putting meaning on the event is an offense. This is a rupture of meaning. Uh, in other words, uh, the crucifixion and the central moment of Christianity is in some respects a deconstructive moment, a moment that breaks apart everything we think religion is about. You know, so for example, to be crucified meant you were cursed of God, you were no longer a citizen, you were no longer in the political structure, right? Yeah. So it, it was an absurdity. And somehow to identify with Christianity is to identify with the absurd. So last week we talked about punk, and I was saying, and, and Barry knows a lot more about punk than I do, but, but the idea of punk in some respects was, it confronted society. It it, it, well, it yeah. exposed its absurdity. I, yeah, I mean, and the interesting thing um, is, I think that punk was a, a, a kind of moral cleansing agent. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. I mean, punk music was a, a, a reaction against the um, the way that the pop music had become commodified and commercialized and. Basically, it, it up, its, up, up its own backside. Yeah. It didn't. No, it became yeah. an industry and stuff. And along comes punk, and uh, and punk is this kind of moral cleansing agent that that gets things back to a sort of primal scream, you know. Yes. And uh, because you got to put it, you know, punk in in a, in a period when rock music had, had had basically become 
very much uh, all about, you know, glam rock, you know, progressive rock, all of this kind of weird stuff going on. And they've lost that, that rawness and, and punk comes along and just blows it up. Yeah. And suddenly it goes back to that thing. Here's a, an exit strategy yeah. from from this thing. It's not, you know. It's like, by the way, it's like Occupy. Occupy at its best, people kept saying, what's your alternative? What what are you building in instead? Yeah. But in some respects, Occupy was a rupturing of what was. It was an encounter of the world of meaning, of value, of everything that, that the way the economic system worked. And it was like, a, a putting something in the spokes yeah and punk felt like and you know at its best putting something in the spokes so that something new could birth yeah and the, pro the uh, <clears throat> and i think the 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 problem that the, the challenge that we always face and it happens a lot in in churches is people are okay with a rupture provided you tell them what comes next yeah, yeah. Uh, you know I, I mean i think one of the the challenges like with the emerging church is that it got commodified, you know? And a lot of people go, "Oh, the emerging church is over," and blah blah. I actually don't think so. Um, I, I I think it had a moment. I don't think it was meant to, yeah, to achieve the things that people expected it to achieve, which was, "Oh, it's going to tell us what's next." Yes. I think that the 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 whole idea was to break open what was yeah. and the possibilities how can you predict what those are exactly you know if you know yeah. what they are then you haven't broken the system you've just adjusted you've just adjusted this the, yeah. the, the system and and you know the, those things like you know anarchy like punk that they're, they're not long tail things yeah. they're they're they're, <clears throat> they're, they're events they're events and what you know yes there's still punk around and it's sort of commodified and stuff but there's there's still punk that's not commodified and there's mm -hmm. still a hole because what happens is it brings in questions yeah it raises the questions and it says okay so what yeah. you know so what's the, what's up. what's what's the truth in it and it blows things up and it's up for it's up then to everybody else to work out yeah the new order you know what what comes what comes what comes next what comes next what comes after you know these are like yeah these are temporary zones of of rupture like and there's an event or there are these things that I do call building on fire yeah and the reason why I call this these uh, talks I do building on fire is because people ask me often okay it's all very well to you know deconstruct and whatever but what are you building in the aftermath yeah. and what I want to explore is the idea of, of a community that is able to build on the fire of critique and of the rupture of meaning yeah. which means you don't put the fire out and then create a new master a new system of meaning but rather somehow you create communities that are open to always being ruptured by new ideas and new possibilities um, that that don't close themselves off into new orthodoxies we of course have positions we of course sure. have worldviews we of course have that but that somehow we are always open to the other who is destroyed or critiqued or, or violence is done to because of our systems. So yeah. we don't put the fire out. We build on you the fan systems it. of yeah. fire. You fan it. Yeah. You fan it, you let it live, even though it's it can often be a painful thing. This yeah. is punk. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's painful, but it's also, I, I, I think, liberating if you let it. it yeah. It's just that... The systems tell you, this is, I mean, going back to the secret philosophical thing, 
you know, I, I would never say you shouldn't be happy, but the system says you must be happy and this is how you are happy. Yeah. You're happy because you buy this, you do this, you subscribe to this. Religion does the same thing. Yeah. And that must, you must becomes, it's, it's not, it's not liberation. Liberation yeah. is in the unknown. Yeah. I think that's where the freedom lies in, in the, you know, what's, what's coming, you know, yeah. what, what is, what is to come, not, you know, not just amending what, what we already have. Which, which gets to the heart of what religionist Christianity is in many ways. If you look at some people who are advocates of religionist Christianity, like um, from people like Caputo and Derrida to Tillich and others, there is this idea that what is, is always um, critiqued by what can be, what is to come. Now, that can be in some sort of mystical sense or some sort of material sense, it doesn't matter, but that what we know doesn't have to be the way things are, that the world ruptures um, and that actually giving ourselves over to this antagonism and this change in life is what Christianity at its most radical is about. But more than that, it's what life at its most radical is about. Yeah. It's what great art does, yeah. great music does, you know, great politics does, great political leaders do. They, they break things open in ways that are risky, yeah. but generally that ways that open up uh, new forms of life. And uh, I mean, and on, on a very, I mean, and it's, it's always, you always have to, I always feel like you have to qualify statements when you say like this, but on one level, um, the move for, at least for me, towards religionless Christianity uh, is a no-brainer mm -hmm. in that in pretty much every area of existence right now, everything is shifting towards a different version of, of itself, whether it's economics or politics, social life, things are changing, things are on the move and old ways and old notions of being aren't functioning in the same way. And there's a part of it where you just sort of simply at some point have to wake up and go, wait a minute, this actually doesn't work like this anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that in, in some ways, one of the reads that I have in the, in the gospels is that Jesus doesn't come along just to destroy Judaism. I don't think that's yeah. destruction of Judaism is the intention whatsoever, but he does come along and go, you know, this has been reduced and this has become, you know, so you say, love your neighbor, but let's define who my neighbor is. Mm -hmm. So I want to come back and go, well, wait a minute. Why do you have to know so clearly who your neighbor is? Isn't it anybody? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, surely your neighbor is anybody, not not people that you're comfortable helping. Yeah, I don't know. You're you know, probably I, I, you're, but he. I think is more optimistic than me, which um, is unusual. Which is unusual in that. Um, well, optimistic in what? In what way? Okay. Well, yeah, this is a good thing to tease out. I mean, you remind me a little bit in this when of Bonhoeffer's writings before he died, where he was quite. He was talking about a world come of age. He was thinking that we were gradually. You know, getting over more strictly religious notions. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't think that really. Okay, because I, no. I, I think it's probably the way I'm the way I'm framing it. I, I yeah, I'm not in in that sense, not that. Um. God damn it! <laughs> Hi, we're online. Come on, uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. We'll be back in a second. My housemate's just coming. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway, we'll keep going. Um, yeah. uh, That's brilliant. 
Yeah, yeah no, so, I, no, I, 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 I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't mean it in 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 that sense. I just mean that uh, the maybe I want to say resistance is futile. Yeah, maybe that's what I want to. Oh, yeah, but but talk to me more. Okay, you know it's always good to be challenged. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I was just when I was hearing you, I was thinking, you know, I mean, I think things are changing, but I just think new forms of religion are growing up that need to be, you know, critiqued. Oh, new yeah, forms absolutely. of nationalism, oh, totally. new forms of, yeah, uh, you know. Well, that, that I think they they get spawned out of these these moments, you know. I mean, we live in this era of the rise of fundamentalisms. And, you know, we just say fundamentalism like it's always been this kind of fundamentalism, but it but it hasn't, it's yeah. different. You know, and I'm not just talking about Islamic fundamentalism, but but neo-fundamentalism or neo-Calvinism in, in, you know, the revival of that and the resurgence of that today, it's not the same as at the end of the 19th century. It's a, it's a different, that's within a system that was still functioning. Yeah. This is a, a, a disruption of business as usual, yeah. uh, I, I, I think. So Tillich has an it's tough to me when yeah. somebody says I'm optimistic. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tillich has this, he talks about nationalism, socialism and humanism as three kind of, you know, different ways of, of, you know, secular ways of looking at the world. But he says when humanism becomes fundamentalist, it becomes scientism. When nationalism becomes fundamentalism, it becomes fascism. And when socialism becomes fundamentalist, it becomes communism. It's kind of interesting going, like, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever position you have, whether it's secular or sacred, there are forms of it that yeah. become deeply it, problematic. You know, of course, what's interesting to me as well is, you know, we talk about, you know, Tillich, and I, I, I love Tillich, we talk about Bonhoeffer, I, I really love Bonhoeffer, but, but they lived in a very different world than us. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, Bonhoeffer thought that the church was done because of his experience of, the, you know, the capitulation of the German church and the perceived triumph of Nazism or the, 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 the lack of uh, will on the behalf of the church to advocate for things and Tillich you know came of age in in in, in a world pre-digital you know yeah I mean a lot of the stuff that is still very localized and pastoral yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean so um, I, I, I think to me they're, they're the beginnings of yeah. I mean if people listen begin- to me on this if yeah. they think I was huge fan of Tillich, which I am. I I'm really very Tillich. critical of him as yeah. well. Of um, well, I think, you know, you have to put people where they live. Yeah. And you have to go, yes, um, but that was 1928 or 58 or yeah. 48 or whenever it was. Now it's 2016 and there's a whole different ballgame playing. Yeah. And by the way, Connor, you're free to move around the house. Connor is now hiding in, in the corner yeah. because we're, we're, we're online, but... I was just letting you know that we were <laughs> we were talking. You're, you know, there's plenty. Of, you don't have, you don't have to hide. <laughs> we need an on air sign. Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah. Where's my on air sign? Okay. You know, I've got a few people in the house. There's uh, Helen's upstairs Back as well. To so. the one square foot room that I live in. Yes, upstairs. Connor, go upstairs. Yeah. You go can come room. down in three hours. Go to your room. Go to your room. Yeah. Um, if you're doing my live Omega course, you'll have seen that, you know, half of the books here are Connor's. He got all the bookshelves because he's better than me. All of my books are the ones that are on the floor. 
He doesn't care. He just doesn't care. Um, Maybe it's because he was here first. Well, he was here first. I moved into his house, so yeah, yeah. What can I say? Plus, you don't read your books, do you? Oh God, no. He just is the blessings in the bind. Yeah. I'm having a little look at the uh, comments, by yeah. the way. Let's see. Um, okay, here's a little question for Barry. Um, hey, Barry, how has your love for music influenced your thinking? How um, do you see the structure of music? Um, in relation to the expressive aspect of music. music. So basically, how has music influenced your... Mm. You know, um, that's, good. That's, that's a good question because it, it took me a while to realise how much musical form and structure was central to the way I thought about things. I mean, I think it was transformative to me when I, when I realised that, that when I look at things, uh, it, it's or expose myself to <laughs> expose myself to things. <laughs> when, you know, when I see things, I, I, I'm looking for the feel and the rhythm of what what's before me. You know, so um, I, I think I have a very kind of musical lens through which I th I think about things like what's what, like I I used to sort of think about of reading. What, what are the what are the beats? Where's the hook? You know, I, I applied sort of a very simple kind of musical thing, but but I, I, I think, I mean, music, music in some ways was my first sort of church. It's the first place where I, I sort of went and, and uh, tapped into depths of myself that I didn't access any, any other way. That really hasn't changed. And I find that uh, poets and musicians are still the theologians that, that I I run to in in in, in, yeah. in some sense. So I, I, I try and have a, a, a musical approach to a lot of stuff. I mean it's not like hard and fast oh you know, but in general the the, the rhythm of things, the the feel of things, the groove, that that's how I And and the I music in this community is all from musicians who have influenced you and affected you. So the the technically yeah. what what you would call the worship music element of Barry's community. Um, yeah, we do well. original stuff and then we do songs that, um, yeah, just stuff that we like, that, yeah. you know. But like, and some of the people here are bigger, like people like Bob Dylan would be yeah. a big Leonard Cohen, Cohen, Nick Cave. Nick Cave. So these are, these are the kind of, the, so you feel within his community the influence of these thinkers as the yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you wrote about this once and, 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 and I've said this many times. I, I, I think that everybody should let pop music do their, um, do their, their, their worship for them. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, and I don't mean, you know, changing the words so it sounds like you're worshiping Jesus. I mean, I think, I think there's deep stuff within popular and I, and I think it actually really fits with a move towards religionless Christianity yeah. not because the music is without uh, religion necessarily but because it's both uh, attempting to acknowledge the meaninglessness of existence and the the mean the elusive meaning mm -hmm. uh, of existence as well and, and I think it it's often done better because it's not driven ideologically to perform to certain expectations yeah so you know nick cave you know i don't believe in an interventionist god but i know darling that you do 
Yeah, and if I did, I'd kneel down before him and ask him to intercede for you. Mm. So he's declaring his non non belief, yeah. knowing that there's a, a lover who does, mm. and saying, "I don't believe," but if I did, this is what I'd ask. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, and I find sometimes within within uh, pop music, there's this anarchic challenge to the status quo yeah. and well, pop music's yeah. too too that's you know, narrow too narrow because like, i'm thinking like in in the in uh, but there again yeah. i also think that sometimes because i think that the the the, the, the heart of pop music uh, and i mean popular music are some very simple themes whether it's i mean you think about elvis presley's first hit heartbreak hotel mm. so from the inception of pop music maybe all the way through alienation loss dejection rejection whether it's teenage love gone wrong or a love that you can't discover or heartbreak or emptiness or alienation it's everywhere it's in Katy Perry as much as it's in Radiohead and I think that you know uh, uh, which is why I think it, it holds us and sometimes it holds you with a really great groove and you don't think about I know but I would say like for me a lot of popular music is like religious music it it, it says the oh, solution it's is an industry sure. no, but no but but no but the, what it offers is the solution is either yeah. a man or a woman or money or fame or and you know in religious yeah. terms it's god or heaven or whatever but yeah. but what i think about the best of music and the best of religion is yeah. it opens you up to the infinite it opens you up to that which is beyond yeah kind of like some facile kind of solution yeah so that, I, well yeah. you know that's why you know um, it, it's hard to speak in general terms about pop music, rock music and stuff because to me it's it's like everything else. There's a million theologians but you might yeah. <laughs> resonate with a, a few in, in music. I mean, for me, um, I mean, I think the best theologian in all of popular music is David Bowie, mm -hmm. who's probably the furthest away from any theistic notion yeah. whatsoever but but no, I but find there is those the infinite is yeah it's, in it's that, yeah. Yeah. everywhere yeah. You, you know what I mean but that's so. that's why I, like that's where I'd have you know like the idea there's multiple discourses that connect you with that which ruptures what is yeah. that, and there's a number of discourse in the world that don't yeah. but poetry art music religion all of those at their best can do that and at their worst yeah. shut it down and, of course and and you know um, as as with all things art music it's commodified and commercialized and it lives within as everything does within consumer culture mm -hmm. and so uh, the most commodified forms are forms that essentially affirm the status quo and you know I mean, that was a, that was Adorno's critique of pop music that's mechanistic and creates passive listeners you know I mean that's the argument between high and low culture is low culture you don't have to think and high culture I mean I think on one level it's bullshit but I also think there's an element of truth to it that that you know it's like Freud you know art can be a palliative mm -hmm. and you know like sex can be a palliative religion a palliative you know so we can we can run to those things to escape but they also have a place where they actually confront you yeah. forcefully and yeah. vibrantly with reality. Yeah. This is coming back to that um, quote of Capullo's I used in the 
a couple of Facebook Live events ago that religion at its best is a projectile, not a projection. So yeah. at its worst, I yeah, love that actually. Yeah, that was a great yeah, quote. It's a very good quote. Very, yeah. very good quote. That you know, at its worst, we have dialogues that that just kind of help project what already is and tell us what we already think and what we already believe and kind of make that writ large. Um, but at its best, there are certain discourses that act as projectiles, which break things open. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Um, I've been thinking about this a little bit lately. What because you know I, I I gave a series of talks after Easter, and then you know we've been doing this omega these omega course conversations the last few weeks, and yeah, this is this is probably going to sound crazy, but I you know I've I've always loved. I've always loved the Gospel of Mark, and I like the Gospel of Mark because it ends so tragically. You know, um, there's no resurrection, and it's after you get the resurrection stories that things seem to start going horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm not, not not necessarily denying. Well, maybe I am in, in a certain in a certain sense. I'm denying some aspects of that, but. But but that that need to fill in the after you know like yeah. the, the, the the abruptness of of the ending of, of the the Gospel of Mark you know they they just leave and they don't tell anybody because they're terrified I mean that's how it ends they they sort of add add another few verses but they're amazed and they're terrified and they don't do what they're told to do which is tell people instead they keep their mouth shut. Well, it ends with an empty tomb. It ends yeah, with nothing. But, yeah, but but they run off. Yeah, they run off, yeah. and don't tell anybody because yeah. they're terrified. And I'm like that that sort of whoa, that opens up so much space for you know what I guess what Jack would call the unconditional, mm. the impossible. You know, and I'm not saying that that the resurrection stories and stuff aren't are, are unimportant. I'm just saying that. To live with that for a while and not need to fill in the gaps so quickly mm. is one of the ways I think you move towards uh, religionless expressions of Christianity by suspending the need to insert the predicted answer. Yeah, but that and that's the way resurrection is interpreted. Maybe I think there's a way to interpret resurrection that is not filling yeah. in the gaps. Oh, absolutely. You know, we can talk about that another time. Another time, yeah. Because we are. Oh my goodness, we're in almost forty minutes. Well, all right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Um, any yeah. final blessing? Uh, yeah, bless you. <laughs> yeah, there you oh, go. Want, yeah, our friend Kester's oh. coming to town. Yeah, Kester's coming to town. Twenty seventh of July. We're going to do an event in LA. Um, yeah, he's just written a great book called Getting High, looking at the desire for transcendence and the need to root ourselves in the earth. And uh, if you're around, I think it's going to be really fun. Barry's going to be yeah. there. I'm going to be there. Kester's going to be there. Kester's going to be there. Yeah. So, Omega Code. Yeah. Kester. Wow. That's right. Still going. There's a lot going on. All right. Thanks very much, guys. <laughs> Take care. Bye bye. bye.